0: Welcome to the Midlife Rise and Thrive podcast. I am your host, Dr. Sarah Poldme. If you have been wondering how to feel your best in mind, body, and spirit as you navigate through midlife, then this is the show for you. Each week I'm sharing accessible education, heartfelt stories, and exclusive interviews. We will be talking about everything from health and wellness to sex and relationships and the many challenges and opportunities that come with midlife. It's time to take charge and live fully with intention as you write your next chapter. Let's get started. Hello, everyone. Welcome, welcome. After spending a combined 20 years as a financial advisor and mortgage advisor, and having countless conversations with women, my guest, Patty Handy, decided to pursue her dream of financial coaching for women. She is a teacher at heart and loves to educate and empower women with money smarts. Welcome to the show, Patty. Thank you, Sarah. I'm really happy to be here. Thank you for loving me. Yeah, absolutely. Well, money is such an important topic in general, but especially for women, because I think we come with our own set of challenges in finances and money and all those good things. And there are certain things that happen in life that cause those money issues to come up to the surface. So I thought that we would talk about mindset with money because it really can make or break you financially and would love to hear your wisdom on mindset and money. Yeah, of
1: course. Well, I always say that I can teach the mechanics of money and the strategies of money and the investing and some of those things that we we know we need and that we think is the culprit of where we're at today and why we're not at where we want to be. And that strategy piece and that the mechanical piece of money is actually much easier than we think. It's just about learning it. Once you learn it, you know it, and then you're you're done. The part that we don't talk about a lot is the aspect of our mindset around money and what our money story is, what we've heard growing up. And essentially, that's what it really comes down to. It's it's what did we hear growing up from our birth to about age eight? We were a complete sponge. Our brain was open. We didn't have a filter to say, that doesn't make any sense, mom, or I don't believe that dad, or you know whatever it is that you heard. You just took it as truth. You took it as reality. So if you grew up in a home where you heard a lot of fear around money and lack and scarcity and you know, rich people are evil and if you're rich, you got that way by hurting people. And some of those conversations, that's what's going on in your subconscious, and that's what's going on in your computer, in your brain. If you grew up in a home where there was a lot of abundance and conversations about opportunities and there's possibilities everywhere, then you are gonna You know, have a different mindset around money and wealth and abundance than the other person. So, the vast majority of us, from what I have seen and read, is that we grew up in that home of scarcity and lack and fear more than those that grew up in that home of abundance. So, we now have this subconscious programming in our mind. And when we make decisions, when we have thoughts, it creates our feelings around money, which creates our actions or inactions, which then creates the results we have in our life. And oftentimes you look at our situation and go, gosh, why are we here? Why am I here? Why can't I get ahead? Why am I always broke? That stems from that childhood.
0: Yeah. So what if there weren't conversations around money? Because I know that a lot of parents may try and keep money issues hidden.
1: There's usually conversations about life in general, whether it's a scarcity or, or lack mentality. It may not be, oh, dollars and cents and investing in that conversation. But if there's a lot of fear in the home, if there's a lot of struggle and there's a lot of we're always watching our pennies and we're always talking about debt, perhaps, or the child overhears the parents talking about something, there's just that energy in the home of fear versus that energy in the home that is trusting and faithful of, you know, the universe has my back.
0: So um, if there's a fear mindset. Does that mean that how would that translate into the money mindset later
1: in life? The fear is that we're subject to external circumstances. We're always dealing with things that are you know, possibly out of our control. We're focused on what's wrong in the world, which is what's right in the world. Yeah. We're not looking at life as you know what? There's opportunities and possibilities everywhere. Yeah, this may not be where I want to be right now. This may not be a situation where I'm really happy with my financial world or my world in general. Maybe it's physical, whether it's your weight, your just physical health, your mental health, your emotional health, spiritual health, all that. You know, we're, like you said, realistic. You understand that whole piece. That really does come from understanding your outlook on life. Yeah.
0: So, mindset comes from when you're a child and then it manifests in how you are saving and how you're spending what do we do with that information knowing that it comes from when we were children where do we go from here
1: yeah the first step is having that mindfulness and that awareness of realizing that okay this is what i heard going up and then you start to question it it's like is that true is the is the world a world of lack and scarcity and if you look around, it's like, no, there's lots of very wealthy people. There's a lot of wealth in the world. And no, not all rich people are greedy. There's a lot of lovely, wealthy people who are very generous and, and philanthropic. And so that's false. So you start to, you know, poke holes in the, what you think is reality. And you then, it's a slow process. You know, it doesn't happen overnight. But the slow process is, I'm going to reprogram my reality. I'm gonna reshift my conversations. I'm gonna watch myself talk. I'm gonna call myself out when I think a certain thought that's you know automatically programmed. And it's like, you know, moving the Titanic. It you know happens very, very slowly over time. But really that first step is that awareness of what you're doing. And there's lots of modalities that people use to reprogram There's hip muscles. There is child work, there's breath work, there is Meditation, there's prayer, there's subliminal that you can listen to. I mean, there's so many things that people do to slowly shift that programming. But a lot of that just starts with your self talk, you know, to, to the world and calling yourself out when you're catching yourself thinking a certain thought. Absolutely.
0: Absolutely. What do you see women fearing the most about money?
1: Running out of money and being a burden to their kids. They don't want to be especially those that are widowed or divorced and are, you know, on their own. They don't want to be a burden to their kids. They're afraid if they lose money, what are they going to do? You know, they go down the dark side of, I'm going to be homeless. I'm going to be a bad lady. I'm going to, and just that lack of understanding of investing, that lack of understanding about investing or managing money, feeling comfortable with having those conversations. I heard this a lot, both when I was a financial advisor and when I was a mortgage advisor, there's a lot of conversation around shame and embarrassment and overwhelm and they don't like talking about it because they're they are embarrassed they should both you know they they say they should know more and I'm like well you were never taught it so why would you know it right you know, if you never learned French why would you expect yourself to know French right so and I can
0: imagine that the the fear some of the people some of the women that you've spoken with that feel like oh my gosh I don't have enough and I I could end up homeless and stuff like that. Their bank accounts and their investments may be more full than the people that maybe are closer to the brink of going homeless or not having anything to support themselves in the end and they're completely carefree because the the mindset or the the way that we envision what we have is different than what we actually have sometimes.
1: Yeah, and that's why talking with a professional, whether it's a coach or a financial advisor or just a a, a, CPA, a trusted person in your world. Okay, here's my situation. Here's where okay. I have come. What's here's what's going out. Here's where I can expect in retirement with social security or pension or whatever. Here's my expenses. How much am I gonna need to tap into, into my portfolio every month? Do I need to even tap into that at all? Yeah. Uh, a lot of clients, their cash coming in between retirement pensions or social security covered their expenses because they lived well below their means. So they were never going to touch their assets. Right. So you know, $20,000 in the bank or 20 million, they weren't going to ever touch it. So I understand the piece that comes with 20 million versus 20,000. But there's, you know, if you've got the cash flow coming in that's covering your expenses. You know, that should give you some peace. Yeah.
0: So what are some of the most common struggles that you see with women with money? I know that we talked about the fear of not having enough. What do women struggle with the
1: most? Once they get past the, you know, fear of losing money or fear of being destitute, if you will, it is just not understanding investing, not understanding the stock market, not knowing how to pick a mutual fund, uh, you know, just understanding a mutual fund versus a index fund. What does that mean? Understanding, you know, I mean, there's hundreds of funds out there. Which one do you choose? How How do you decide which one to invest in? So it's just some of those, and that's the stuff that actually is relatively easy to teach. Once you learn that, you're done and you don't need to reinvest it. You don't want to be invested in hundreds of funds. You know, you a handful, you, you know, stay diversified and stay in a place where you're, you know, you're watching what sector you're in. If you like technology, if you like healthcare, if you like energy, if you, you know, whatever, you can go super, you know, high level and do the S&P 500, which is just, you know, the 500 companies, the largest. So once you learn it, There's so much more peace once you understand the basics. And once you're invested, you understand what you're in, it really does change your whole outlook and give you that peace of mind.
0: Yeah. And I can imagine that once you learn the basics, then you can decide whether you want to learn more or not. I mean, the basics at least will empower you to feel like you are making the right moves for yourself with the attention that you're willing to give to it.
1: Exactly. Exactly. And I think that oftentimes the world complicates the subject and throws around lots of fancy lingo and and makes it sound like it's more complicated than it is. Yeah. And depending upon your portfolio, you may or may not need a financial advisor. Yeah. They are they are brilliant. They know what they're doing. They will help you with tax consequences. They'll help you with navigating, taking advantage of you know, all the tax strategies that we can. I mean, there's lots of things that an advisor does that is huge. If you've got a smaller portfolio and you just need to play some money in a few funds, you know, that's something that you can do easily.
0: Absolutely. So I think women that have recently gone through a divorce can feel really shell-shocked about their money situation. And I have friends that have confided to me relatively recently that they live very comfortable lives but have absolutely no grasp on where their money is or how much there is. They just kind of ignore it because their husband has taken the reins in that relationship and managing the money. How often do you find
1: that to be the case? The majority of individuals that I've seen, the husbands take care of the situation, the finances. Mm -hmm. Uh, If they're divorced, and now trying to maintain and understand finances, the majority of them don't just sit back and let that just happen. They are now very hungry and eager to learn because they realize now it's all on them. Yeah. Even if they have a nice, you know, cash flow coming from support and whatnot, that's great. But at the end of the day, it's up to them to understand how that money should be invested, a long term growth for protection, the location, all that stuff. And that should not be in the hands of your ex-husband by any stretch.
0: Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I've been shocked sometimes when I find out how little involvement some people have in their financial health. But I think each person puts you know a different amount of weight onto how much time that's going to occupy in their lives or or how invested they really are in that. They just feel comfortable and safe and there's... Nothing wrong with that, but there are other options. And what about if women are in a marriage, they do not have any real knowledge of their financial situation, and the marriage is good or bad, what pieces of advice would you give to a woman about how to become more involved with the money? Because I can imagine that can be a difficult, tenuous type of conversation to have with your husband. If you haven't had it before, the husband may feel threatened or what have you. So how do you women approach the money conversation if they haven't had it in a long-term marriage?
1: Yeah. And I talk about this to married couples who are, you know, happily, happily married. And the husband just manages it because it's just the way it's always been. And well, it's just simpler for him. And he has complete trust. And it's all fine and great, which is lovely. However, you know, stuff happens. And he may leave for work one day and not come home because he got in a car accident. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I have had clients whose husbands passed away suddenly and it was absolutely devastating. And if the marriage is that solid for the wife to go to the husband and say, honey, you know what? I realize that I don't understand our investments and mm-hmm. it makes me feel a little bit nervous. We have a money date like once a quarter and just sit down, either go out to dinner or have a, just a quiet night at home where we pull out our statements you show me where everything is. You show me where we're how we're invested. I understand, you know what's coming in, what's going out. I just would feel more confident and comfortable knowing that I understand this better. I'm fine with you still managing everything, but I need to know where things are in case, God forbid, something happened to you. And the husband should say, "Of course, I absolutely agree, and I encourage us to do this because that's right. If something happens to me, I don't want you to have any more struggles. You'll be dealing with the emotional grief of losing me." Yeah with the financial piece. If the husband gets defensive and angry, then that's that's not good. <laughs> that's a flag. But I encourage, yeah, money dates on a quarterly basis or even semi-annually. Sit down for half an hour. A lot of times I remember some clients had no idea where statements were. They had no idea where their assets were. Yeah, They didn't know. They never ordered a check because it just was always taken care of. And, you know, coming back from life, underneath that is just brutal especially when you're dealing with a loss yeah Whether it's the war or death you're, you're traumatized and full of grief and the last thing you want to be doing is managing your money
0: right exactly that's that's certainly a consideration and so you said it's a flag if they don't answer they become defensive then what are you left with if they don't answer you would you you would insist upon that i'm i'm assuming
1: yeah i would say this is you know this is really important why the hesitation yeah help me understand right. why you're concerned i'm not questioning you i'm just trying to my own sake understand this more it's, right it's really our best interest and what if you had a stroke and i needed to take care of you and take care of our money and yeah. i didn't know how to do that so i wouldn't know how to even get to our funds i mean and again it's like don't come from a place of it's my money too and i should know where it is i have a right to this because that's going to throw up the defensiveness but yeah I mean, I just want to know I could take care of you and take care of myself and take care of us if necessary and help me understand what the concern is.
0: Absolutely. What about a woman that is basically just starting over, whether it be from divorce or a huge financial loss, where would you tell a woman to start in, in starting to rebuild their financial health?
1: Yeah, great question. So it all starts with, first of all, self-care and getting, you know, give yourself a grace. Deal with the grief that you're dealing with. If you are still grieving and it's relatively new and you're still very vulnerable, try not to make any big financial decisions at that time because mm-hmm. nothing good comes out of a conversation when you're hurt and grieving and, you know, dealing with that black cloud that you're going through. Yeah. Like I've been through before, so I know exactly what that feels like. So whatever you can do to postpone any big decisions, I would say to do that. Once you come out of that fog, sit down with yourself and look at everything, look at your net worth. So that means listing out all of your assets, retirement Mm -hmm. assets, checking, savings, your home, what equity you have in your home, just what that looks like. And then look at cash flow. What do I have coming in? Whether it's from support, whether it's from a job, whether it's from real estate, you know, whatever it is. And then what's going out? How much do I have going out? And although it's a very simple you know, step to take, most people don't do that. They don't really have an understanding of what's coming in and what's going out. They just realize, yeah. oh, I'm going to plug down every month or, oh, I'm fine. I've got more money than I need. If you get got more money than you need, that's great. And you know, where's that excess going? Is that going to an investment account? Are you putting that money to work? So it's really just getting a, a very good handle on the current circumstance. That's your first step.
0: Right, because I would imagine there's more to look at besides just investing. Obviously, cash flow and the things that you've mentioned as far as assets. Is there anything else that we haven't mentioned that would be important to look
1: at? You want to make sure that you uh, take a look at your debt. If you carry any credit card debt, if you're carrying any student loans, if you're carrying any debt of any kind, I would take a look at insurance policies to make sure that Those are updated with the proper beneficiaries. If you have a life insurance policy on yourself and you've got your husband as a beneficiary and you now divorced, you want to make sure that that gets changed. Mm -hmm. You want to have an estate plan put in place. That was one of the first things that I did. My son was 18 months old when I went through my divorce. And so I wanted to make sure that he was going to be very well taken care of. Yeah. And so I met with an estate planning attorney. I had a living trust on. And you don't have to have a big estate. The do an estate plan. People have mm-hmm. that misdemeanor that's, oh, I've got to have, you know, a lot of money or a big estate. No, you want to make sure that, you know, your loved ones get what they, what you want them to get. There's also the medical directive that's in there, power of attorney. There's so many pieces to an estate plan. So that also brings you peace of mind, knowing if God forbid something happened to you and you've got young kids that, you know, your ex-husband may or may not have any say in whether to pull the plug or not. You know, yeah. it's, it's some of those things and to be a little bit morbid, but the reality is that you've got to make sure that your wishes are known. And that happens with the global States web. So can you tell me a little bit about the difference
0: between a financial coach and a financial advisor?
1: Sure. So as a financial advisor, what I did was, you know, I managed assets. I took in assets. Our firm took in assets. We managed it for them. So we actually held their money. Yeah. As a coach, I never touched anyone's money. I don't advise. On the fund as an advisor, I would you know we would as a as a team as as a firm we would advise on which funds to go into. We would do the Roth conversions if we needed to do. We would do all the strategies, tax loss harvesting. We would just do all the mechanical piece for them, and we just did it all. Mm-hmm. As a financial coach, I'm more of a educator. So I will teach you how to invest yourself. I will walk you through how to look at, you know, if you go to Fidelity or Vanguard or Schwab or whatever investment management firm you're with, I will show you how to look at the various funds, how to look at expense ratios, how to look at the performance, how to determine which ones you may want to consider. I will tell you, yes, you should put $20,000 in this fund and $10,000 in that fund. I will explain to you what a Roth conversion is and why it makes sense, why it may not make sense. and At the end of the day, you've got to determine if that makes sense for you. What's your CPA? So as a coach, I don't advise, but I will teach and I would coach. And ironically enough, there's a lot of life coaching that goes into financial coaching. So there's some conversations I have with clients that we will have meetings and there isn't any conversation about money on that particular day. It's all about what's going on in life. Yeah. So it's a lot of the overlap of life and the financial strategy piece. And the financial advisor generally doesn't get involved with the life coaching piece. Every advisor is different. I certainly can't speak for every advisor in the world. But, you know, for the most part, it's more on the coach's role to to do that piece. Okay, great.
0: Well, this has been a great start with financial information for women. I think that there's some valuable gems in there for my listeners. So I really appreciate you hopping on a call with me. I will share all of your information in the show notes so that people can get in touch with you. But is there anything that you've got going on right now that you'd like to share with our listeners?
1: I would just take like advantage of the free ebook that I have on there. It's Women Soaring Solo, and it's a financial guide for women. And then there's a short about a half an hour training that's fantastic. Actually, it's a five-day masterclass dialed into 30 minutes. <laughs> so oh, Wow. Well. Cool. Very compact, it's the, the the bolts, the, you know, the nuts and bolts of what I taught in that masterclass. So it was great training. And that can be seen at the website or on mindinghermoney.com. And then I'm launching, this is probably not going to come out in time, but I'm launching a Women's Minding Her Money Circle. It's a six-week program, but I'm going to bring those out throughout the year. My first one starting next week, actually. So excited
0: about that. Well, that's great. I love your practical approach and the encompassing of the mindset, because I think that is huge. We have to acknowledge why we came up with our money story to begin with. And we all see money so differently, but there are definitely consistent patterns that you see, I'm sure. Thank you so much for spending some time with us. I really appreciate it, Patty. And I hope that my listeners get in touch.
1: Thank you, Sarah. Appreciate the time with you.
0: If you are in Maryland and you are struggling with symptoms of perimenopause and really wanna get your health back on track and feel like yourself again, then we have a program for you. I have teamed up with nurse practitioner Monique Willingham and we have developed a 12 week midlife reset program. It includes so many good things to start you back on track to feeling like yourself again including a functional medicine evaluation, lab work at the beginning and at the end of the program, individualized treatment plan, core supplement protocol, bi-weekly coaching sessions with myself and Monique, a personalized treatment plan, including nutrition advice, as well as exercise plans. We will get you hooked up with continuous glucose monitoring and an unlimited infrared sauna if you are in the Annapolis area. We will work closely with you, coaching you on lifestyle hacks and techniques. We'll give you guidance on positive mindset, goal setting, sustainable habits. We have so much to offer and we cannot wait to share it with you. We hope that you'll join us on this journey to getting you feeling better than you ever have. We look forward to seeing you soon.